this is Jessica. And this is episode 132 of the Double Knit Podcast. Whoa. Happy. Wah, 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 wah. Oh. <laughs> see my number. Happy 2018. Yeah. Whoo. It's been it's, a doozy so far. Yeah. And it's been a while since we uh, recorded. Chatted. So, Melissa. Last and last issue of the magazine is out. <laughs> it came out in December. Um, the cold weather issue. And we decided it was going to be the last one. Mm-hmm. Because we all this have is stranded magazine. Stranded magazine. We all have a lot of stuff going mm-hmm. on. Um, I'll just be a little honest here. Like digital publishing is not doing so great right now. Yeah. Uh, overall, I think the newness of digital stuff has kind of wound down, and people really are into print again, or both, and we just can't do print. Yeah. So, and that just seems to be a. Uh, industry trend overall. Mm-hmm. So, but I'm really happy with the six issues we put out and I'm very proud of them. And as a thank you to listeners, I have a code what? for a discount code for the cold weather issue that just came out. What? Um, double knit 15 will get you 15% off. Awesome. It's capital, capital, capital <laughs> D for double. And then, um, the rest lowercase and 15 at the end. I'll put it in our, um, group so you guys can use that awesome. through the end of February. Um, cause I know I recognize names from our <laughs> listeners who buy the magazine. So I just want to say thank you. And uh-huh. if you haven't purchased it already, you can do that. Um, and I may have coupon codes for the other two issues that are going to end mm-hmm. or, you know. We re-release the uh, rights to patterns right. back to the designers after a year. So probably around April and then September. Mm-hmm. Um, so thank you, everybody. <laughs> yeah. I got some really nice comments um, from people when I posted. I have a blanket because it's all about like leisure wear mm-hmm. um, and cozy knitting. So I did a big blanket and garter stitch, which is like not my favorite thing to do. But ah. it's on size nine needles. And, um, garter stitch, you basically knit four squares, sew them together, and then you do, like, a log cabin style oh, border. Right. Yeah. It's an eco wool in, like, I don't even remember, three colors? It's four skeins in three colors. Yeah. Okay. So, <laughs> it's been a while since I saw it <laughs> and knit it. Um, and it's called Pensmore, so you can look at that. Um, do we have nine patterns? I think we have nine patterns. So there are eight other ones. So take a look and use that coupon code. Awesome. And this year is our 10-year podcast podcast anniversary. Anniversary. Every once in a while, I'll say something about like, oh, my, the person I do my podcast with, my coworkers are like, what? <laughs> you do a podcast? And I'm like, yeah, we've been doing it. And I have to think, how old is Audrey? I know. It's because a perfect marker. <laughs> like, you were still pregnant when yeah. we started this. And yes. then I'm like, oh, over nine years. Yes. You know? It's like So crazy. I think in like March or April, it'll be 10 years. Well, so I just thought we'd start off the year with reintroductions. Yeah. Maybe. Okay. Because I know we probably have new listeners. Yeah. And, and ones who have been listening so long, you forgot who we were. <laughs> Do you want to start wow. just, like, say sure. how long you've been knitting and, like, Ooh. some other random knitting stuff about you? Um, well, I'm Jessica. Um, I, I don't even remember how long I've been knitting, like, eh, 
16, 17, 16 years from now, probably. Something like that. I learned when I was a kid, it didn't go well. <laughs> I started again, it didn't go, and blah, 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 blah. When Debbie Stoller came out with Stitch and Bitch, it stuck, and I found a group, and I found social knitting, and I found pearly girls, and all the things that are still remarkably, like, pearly no, girls. I think that still, book launched, still, like, a million knitters. Totally. Because that's what I used to teach myself to knit. Mm-hmm. So. And more so that I went to go see her speak, and mm-hmm. I connected in person with other knitters, mm-hmm. and that was, like, the big, like, click for me. Also, because at the time, I was a stay-at-home mom with little kids, mm-hmm. and going through, like... A house remodel, just like all these things. And I like, I needed something. And mm-hmm. so, um, knitting was my something. And yeah, that's what I've been doing. I used to manage a yarn shop, which is Aaron and I, um, I mean, we met through Pearly Girls, mm-hmm. but Aaron also worked at that yarn shop, which like was four Gallery. or four and a half years. And I was there for 10 and a half years, mm-hmm. but for the last two and a half years, I work for, I still work for Sephora and doing something completely different. I'm in operations there. Um, Large and in charge. Yeah, so you... Boston kids around? (laughs) Yeah, no kidding. (laughs) Um, Speaking of Boston kids around, I have two. Uh, One's 17, who's a junior in high school who lives at home with me, and one 19, who's a chef living in New York, which is crazy. That is insane. So crazy. So, it's like... because we, it's been a while since we recorded, I'm not going to talk about all the trash TV because it still looks to me so long. But I've been watching a lot of Top Chef. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> thinking about him. Yeah, I was like, oh, I wonder if he would ever do this show. No, or, he would. Say, I don't like, think That's so. Bull. I'm not. It doing is that. a bunch of bull, yeah. but um, so, I like the crazy stuff they I have know. to do. I love Top Chef too. So, <laughs> so that's me. Uh, I'm Erin. I've been knitting since 2006. And the reason I learned how to knit, or the reason I learned to knit was because my sister came to visit. My grandmother knit every year um, up until I think I was in seventh grade. I would get a hand-knit Christmas sweater from her. My mom would take our measurements, send them off. And then Christmas I'd get a um, $50 savings bond and a hand-knit sweater (laughs) until I was in seventh grade. Um... But my grandma would not teach me how to knit because I'm left-handed. And I had the total opposite. My grandmother, who was a really prolific knitter, was left-handed from the era when she was forced to do everything right-handed uh-huh. in school. And she wouldn't teach anyone who was right-handed how to knit. So oh. she taught my sister, who's a lefty, how to knit. But she wouldn't teach me. Oh. So I had to learn from the booklet from that my mother bought at Woolworths when she was a kid because her mother wouldn't teach her how to knit either. Oh, man. So funny. I forgot yeah. about that. Opposite. Opposites. Um, so my sister learned how to knit from my grandmother, and then my sister came to visit me, um, and I was jealous that she knew how <laughs> to do something that I didn't know how to do. So we went to the fiber gallery, uh-huh. and so because she, she wanted to look at yarn, and I got Stitch and Bitch, uh-huh. and then I sat with her, and I read that book, and... I taught myself how to knit. I did crochet before that, but I was not very good at it. Um, but it's funny that my grandma wouldn't teach me how to knit because I, uh, <laughs> I'm a continental knitter, so it doesn't really, or now I'm a thrower. Right. And, yeah. English style. English style. So it wouldn't matter either way. Well, and I always would, say, like, it's it takes two hands to knit. It's yeah. not like a right-handed knitter, you know, ties their left hand behind their back mm-hmm. or vice versa. So It doesn't yeah. work that way. So that's how I learned to knit. 
And let's see, I'm originally from Northern California, and I moved here in two, to Seattle in 2001, and I'm married for a long time now. <laughs> Not as long as some Not of us. Not as long as some of us. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I have a daughter, Audrey, who I was pregnant with when we started the podcast, yeah. and she just had her ninth birthday, and wow. she's in third grade. Wow. I know. It's insane. So crazy. And she now plays the flute. Or she's taking Aww. flute lessons. Yeah. Aww. She chose flute. I think because they're learning a recorder. And she was just like, flute is something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. And then I was in, well, working on the Stranded Magazine for the past, I think, three years. Because we worked on it for a year before the first issue came out. Mm-hmm. And I was the content coordinator for that. I mean, I still am because I'm still checking email and doing other stuff. So if you contact the magazine anyway, that's me on the other end. <laughs> um, <clears throat> and that was great. Lots of kind of project management stuff. It was really mm-hmm. fun working with like different yarn people and, you know, organizing everybody because that's what <laughs> I'm really good at. So, yeah. um, and I am a prolific knitter. Yes. I'm a much faster knitter. I'm quite and a much more prolific knitter than I am. Mm-hmm. Although I'm doing pretty well this we'll, we'll okay. get there. We'll All get right. there. So I think that's it. Cool. Yeah. Okay. Well So we met through our knitting group and then yeah. I, um I listened to Stash and Burn. Hi Jenny and Nicole. Hi. Um they're also old school. Yeah. <laughs> They've only been going for a couple years more than us. Yeah, but they had been around like we had been listening to them and we we're like, we should do this. Mm-hmm. Um, cause we both enjoy the format of people Two talking people. to each yeah. other rather than just somebody talking. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Well, okay. That's us. Cool. Welcome to year 10. Wow. I know. It's insane. <laughs> all right. Since it's been a while, I'm going to skip over all the plain hats. Just know there were a lot of plain hats. Um, also a really ugly hat that I turned into a tea cozy. <laughs> um, well, I have, um, one of those little, um, plastic gravity, steepers. Oh yeah. Um, and I like it, but it doesn't, it's plastic. It doesn't retain heat at all. So I had a really ugly hat that I'd been working on and I'm like, I hate you. So I just knit, I was, and anyway, I knit the ribbing on it like super duper tight. So it'd be really snug. Um, and now it keeps my tea nice and hot. So (laughs) it's still ugly, but it keeps my tea hot. Um, I was also doing a color work hat knit along with friends last year and in the month of December was like on the mad dash to finish because I had been really good the first half of the year and then not so much. So since we last recorded, I knit Maze, which is by, um, Jesse Ostermiller, um, which is sort of like a little, uh, I guess it's supposed to look like corn to me. It's sort of like diamonds or honeycomb. Um, very simple done in like a worsted weight yarn. That was a super quick knit and knit folklore by Bay Kennington, which it has mo- lots of different, um, traditional, um, motifs, um, in, in bands, um, that is super meant to be like super slouchy. It's mm-hmm. the tallest freaking hat I've ever, I mean, it's like knitting two hats. It just goes on and on and on. It's a little crazy, I think. I would say if you're going to knit it, there's no reason to make it that long. Is it like OXO? 
those kinds um, of designs? Or? It's more like, um, other, well, I mean, I'm trying to remember what's in there. It's all sorts of stuff. It's like, it's got that one I always think of looks like coffee beans. That's like a Latvian oh, one. Oh, yeah, yeah, Um, I think it's probably supposed to be like flowers, but I just see coffee, I don't know, Seattle, I see no. coffee beans. I, said, I always think of cowrie shells, but they're very similar oh, to okay. like coffee beans. So. Yeah. Um, it's just got a bunch of different motifs and I did it in, um, uh, leftover, you know, just random cascade 220. Oh, and maze I knit in simplicity from Haiku, which is a merino nylon blend from Scassell. And I really liked it. It was really, it's really nice and crisp for the color work. It worked Mm -hmm. really nicely. The next one I did was Garfunkel, which is a freebie from Jocelyn Tunney from Owol. Um, but it is, but I did mine in old, old, old yarn that I had. It was mono silk blend that we had dyed, um, at a workshop at, uh, Botanical Colors. No, Earth Hues, I mean, not Botanical Colors, Earth Hues, which no longer exists. Yeah. They used to be in my neighborhood. Yeah. That one down there. Yep. Yeah. So, um, I had like a matter red. Um, an Osage and then like an Osage that was over dyed with weld and indigo, I guess, to get more, uh, or no. Yeah. Yeah. To get kind of a greeny blue. Um, it's a really pretty, pretty pattern, but, and it looks dead simple when you just glance at it like mm-hmm. little diamonds, but it's actually three colors on every round. Oh, boo. No. <laughs> That's how I feel about that. Yeah. The center stitch of each diamond is a different color. Um, and I will say though, uh, I got like I got a system down by the time I finished it for handling the yarn, like managing the yarn and keeping that things. Is my least favorite. Um, yeah, it's but you know it's like DK weight, so it wasn't like epically long. Because I had to, I knit um, a bohu like a bohu's hat like in the real bohu's uh-huh. gauge, um, like nine stitches to the inch. Uh, that also had three colors on most rounds, but it also had three colors on most rounds, purling and a billion imperceptibly different shades of gray. So this was like a cakewalk compared to that. Um, and it's so pretty. I mean, you gotta like, you gotta give it up. Like you, you, you do a little something extra and it pays off. Then you're like, okay, maybe that was worth it. But I think I would just be forever mad at that because it yeah. was so much three color color work. Yeah. Sorry. I love um, color work. I just don't like three don't color. Do that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I also knit Alaska, by Camille Descoteau, um, which is uh, done like where you have like sort of a gradient yarn in the background and then a dark yarn for the the motif, and then it's just um, trees, like little abstract like shadows of trees. Um, came out really nicely, and it, it knit up a lot faster than I expected it to because it's very organic and asymmetrical and usually mm-hmm. patterns like that I'm like uh because you're knitting like seven one three four six you know like, like totally it's very random to yeah you're really married to the chart but it um I, and it's in fingering weight I did mine in Koigu and old some old Jaeger matchmaker four ply um but for a fingering weight color work hat it came together really quickly for me um I think I was so interested to see the moti- like the, the trees start to appear because for a while they just they don't really look like anything and it's like you keep knitting and keep knitting and suddenly they're trees and you're like ah oh, okay um so then I took a little break one evening from that because a 
we get a lot of dogs where I work. Um, we're at an outdoor mall, and one of our, if if you're like me, one of the benefits of working at our store is that we meet a ton of cute dogs every day. And one came into the store wearing a hand knit cowl, <laughs> and my other coworker was like, we were just we couldn't. It was too much. It was so cute, and then she's like, oh, and she also has a lab. Um, so I just thought I'd be silly, and I went home that night and I knit. Um, like a, a variation on the Marion cowl by uh, Jane Richmond, which is, mm-hmm. I mean, a variation on it. Basically, cast on an odd number of stitches, knit one pearl one until you, you know, have only enough yarn to bind off, bind off um, in the round. Um, and uh, I did that with some like gross old like woolies that I had in my giveaway pile where I doubled it and did it on like, I think I did it on like 13s. Yeah. It, it, like, I, Finished it before I finished watching a movie. It was, you know, it's awfully fast. Um, but then she sent me a picture of the dog wearing the cowl. It's so cute. <laughs> and I made George model it, too, and he was not happy about it. <clears throat> then I finally finished Market in the Wind, which is the one, which is by May Mariste, um, which is the one that took the wind out of my sails originally. It was, like, one of the summer patterns. But when I picked it, I didn't notice that um, it's knit on triple zeros and zeros and fingering weight yarn. Um, and everyone kept saying like, oh, don't even bother with it. Don't even like, why do it? And I'm like, but it's so pretty. And then I'd show them the picture and they're like, oh, that is pretty. Mm -hmm. So I finally did it. And I, that was quite a feeling of accomplishment to complete it. And it is awfully pretty. I knit it in uh, purple and green Rowan, uh, four ply soft, which I love. Um, and I really hope I never, ever have to knit a hat on triple zeros (laughs) and zeros again, because that sucked. Um, I kept stabbing my finger and getting the needle like jabbed under my nail. Yeah. It was just, ah, um, but done. So, and I finished that one on new year's day. I was like so close to finishing before the, the year was over, but didn't quite make it. So then for this year, we're changing our focus. And instead of color work hats, we're doing cowls. Um, I'm tr- and I'm the one now who's in charge of the group picking the pattern. So I'm trying to keep them, um, under 400 yards so they're manageable because we're doing one a month and people you know want to knit other stuff mm-hmm. so I don't want to monopolize their knitting time with us so the first one we picked <laughs> with a hat on triple zeros yeah I know I didn't I didn't know like when I looked at it I just saw that it was done on sport weight yarn so I was like yeah. sport weight yarn okay cool because we did a fingering weight one mm-hmm. that was not a big deal but um oh, yeah anyway uh, we did the first cowl we did is the Forest Park cowl by Liz Abenanti. Um, Feministy, right? Yeah, she did uh, the Traveling Woman shawl. Um, she did the Funke family of socks. Okay, yeah. Yeah, because I've knit maybe in. Um, oh, okay, yeah. The blue ones. What's his name? Tobias. Tobias. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Still funny. Yep. <laughs> um, so there's a an area north of Seattle that's called Lake Forest Park. So we all keep accidentally calling it the Lake Forest Park cowl. But Forest Park, it's a cable cowl. It's got um, two different cables um, where you kind of, you increase along uh, like the ribbing in between the cables so that it gets wider as you go down. Um Really quick knit. I knit it in Klamath, which is an Aran weight merino. 
um, that was dyed by Artful You. I think it's an Ashland Bay yarn that Heidi dyes, um, but it's in all sorts of shades of green. So that was a real quickie. Um, and then, so every year I bring a giant basket of hats to work and I get into all my coworkers. Um, and so when I brought them this year, you know, I have a lot of new coworkers, but one of my coworkers was like, oh, I wore the hat you gave me last year to work today. And then I thought, oh, I got to do something different next year because everybody's already got a hat. Mm -hmm. um, so I thought I would do mitts. Um, so this is going to be my year of mitts. So my first pair of mitts I knit were Spira um, by Holly uh, Terrell. Yes, Terrell, um, which is a freebie on Ravelry. It's just a really simple cable, cable mitt. Um, it's just like a staggered, really simple, like two over two cable. Um, but there's like, you know, there's two columns of cables and one you do like on row three and one you do on row five. Actually, I think I like glanced at the pattern, went, okay, I've got it. And then went into knitting and I actually, my cables are a different set of rounds than, oh. than her cables. Cause I was like, I got it. But it turns out I was wrong. <laughs> um, when does that ever happen to mm. me? Never. <laughs> um, yeah, but so I did it in some ancient handspun. I have no idea where the stuff came from. I'm pretty sure it's like some of my very earliest spinning mm -hmm. um, and spinning with your old hand spun. I've probably said this on the podcast before is kind of a unique punishment to yourself <laughs> because you're like, God, this sucks. And then you're like, Oh wait, that's me. <laughs> um, so this was not great, but you know, I, I was giving myself a pass. The other funny thing too, is the beginning of the skein, the yarn was like, you know, let's call it a, sport weight to decay. Mm -hmm. And then by the end, it was like the light, light fingering weight. <laughs> it just got really, so I've got like one mitt that's like whoo beefy. And the other one's like really skinny. <laughs> I mean, just thinner and stringier. Um, but it's a cute color. They're purple. They came out nicely. And then I just finished, um, Chillworth and, oh, I was writing so quickly. I cannot read my handwriting. <laughs> I was scribbling in the book. I can't read the, the pattern, the designer's name. I apologize, designer. I'm so sorry. I really can't read it. Um, but it's another, it's a really simple cable mitt. It's a plain stockinette mitt that has just one cable. And actually the cable is one, is one of the cables that's in um, Forest Park, which is just like a simple, it's an eight stitch cable where the two, um, the center four stitches split and cable out over the, t the, adjacent stitches. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's like kind of like a little horseshoe maybe. Um, so super simple. They're so fast. I like, I cast one on Tuesday night during book club and I was almost done by the time I went to bed. They're yeah. just like fast. They're DK weight. It's like a hundred yards of DK. So I used a little leftover skein of, uh, hazelnuts and coveralls to do those. So I have a tiny bit left. And I started the next cowl or the group, which is going to be for next month, which is Harbor Lights by Louise S. Bangham, which is from a collection called Safe Haven that I knit the scarf from several years ago now. That I think that was called the Seawall. And they're all, um, there's a couple of different cowls, a scarf, and a pair of mitts in the collection. And they're all this based on the same idea where you do... Um, like a strip of, uh, like a color block strip and stockinette stitch. And then you pick up along one side and oh, okay. knit 
and then pick and so that you pick up again so that you don't have to um, uh, sew anything you don't have to graft anything um, and uh, so we're I gave people the option of doing harbor lights or oh crap what was the other one called I want to say like tide pools something like that where one where the the block of uh, or the strip of blocks goes vertically when it goes horizontally but on the one that I'm doing you also knit the interior of the cowl where the other one is just the outside ring this one you turn you do a turning ridge and then you knit plain on the inside oh, okay. so that it's double thickness and also you cover up all mm-hmm. that mess on the back <clears throat> of all that where you've picked up and mm-hmm. changed colors and everything um, and I'm just using a bunch of leftover random things um, some Dicentra Moonbeam leftover from a custom fit sweater I did several years ago and I would just went stash diving and pulled out random little skeins because everything's kind of a blue or a bluey gray. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what I'm doing. And then right now, and then I also went through and I found every hibernating mitt that I had, <laughs> which is really embarrassing that there are like three of them, maybe four. <laughs> so the funny. one I've got right now on the needles with me is um, I did a test knit for Nori Chan, Noriko Chan, or Noriko Ho. Sorry, I'm mixing people's names up. Mariko Ho. Um, that, uh, uh, like, I did a test knit for her, I don't know, like two years ago or something. But I knit the first mitt, and it was mm-hmm. like, yep, no problems. Okay. And then I set it aside. I never knit the second <laughs> one, which isn't really like me. Um, but anyway, Cascade 220, just started that up again. But, yeah, I dug out a bunch of other ones that, like, I mean, like, tiny little projects that, for whatever reason, I set aside. Yeah, I have at least three other ones that were hibernated. Um, like one from Katya. Remember when I was like on a tear with Katya Frankel's? Oh, yeah. Um, the kids book? Yeah, the kids book. Um, I started like two different pairs from that book mm-hmm. that I never finished. Like, I have no idea why. It would take me like two hours maybe to finish the I don't, I don't, I don't know. Karen's <laughs> like, I don't know, but check yourself, lady. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know either. Anyway. So that's what I'm up to. And um, also, I've been doing Spin 15 a day, so I've really been inspired to try to use some handspun. So I'm doing a Helix hat right now with little odd balls of bulky handspun. Um, and I'm just going to try to incorporate um, more of my handspun into my projects this year. Right on. Whew. That is a lot. Usually it's like, I've just been knitting hats. <laughs> <laughs> like, I want to tear them. Yeah. I'm focused. <clears throat> It's funny that you're pulling all this old stuff out because um, I was homesick in the beginning of the month, and they pulled out the Karen double layer mittens and finished right. them three years to the day that I cast them <laughs> on. And you had like nothing left to do. No, like you? so they're fully lined mittens. Um, Noah bought me a kit for Christmas. These were these are Luxadorna. Yeah, or, they used to be Pepperberry, pepper but now it's right, Luxadorna. Yeah. Um, so they're cashmere sport weight. So you like. They're fully aligned, so you knit the lining, provisional cast on, you knit the lining, then you pick out the provisional cast on, and you knit the outside. So I knit one full full layer and the lining and outside, the lining from the second one, and started the with the purple outer and just left it. It finished in like a day. I was yeah. like, what the heck was my problem? There's nothing wrong with it. Yeah. Like, I didn't mess it up. It was just like took three years for me to finish it. 
even spent too much time with me. Obviously, I'm like rubbing off on you over the years. I don't know what was going on, but I finished them. (laughs) They're really nice. Um, They're very soft because they're that cashmere and they're like purple with a bright yellowy green lining. So the top layer is lace. So that the yeah has an eyelet pattern. The uh, the, um, so the the lining bright lining shows through. Yeah. Yeah. It's a long list. <laughs> um, last time I talked about a test knit I was doing for Christine Denae, who's Appalachian Knits, and that pattern's out now. It's a hat called Storm, S-T-O-I-R-M, uh, which is a lined hat. So it's color work outside, and then you do provisional cast on color work outside, and it's in sock yarn, I think on threes. Oh. I don't remember. And then it's lined. Um, so you go back and you, you knit the lining. And it's all in sock yarn. Um, it's a nice hat. No problem with the patterns. It debuted at Vogue Knitting Live um, in New York in, a couple weeks ago. Cool. And, yeah. It was a fun knit. Pretty quick. I hadn't done color work in a while, so that was nice. Mm-hmm. Um, color work's your jam. I do really like it. Yeah. Except for the three... <laughs> there you yeah. go. I, I feel like doing that year long <clears throat> knit along though, I'm like I'm I'm feeling a lot better about my color work. Yeah. But yeah. Um I knit some gifts. Let me see here. Mm-hmm. I knit like a really boring scarf. <laughs> uh my brother in law, they live in Kansas, so mm-hmm. he was like, I want a scarf in a primary color. And it's the first time he's ever asked me for anything. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay. Um, <laughs> so I knit that for him in a bright red, like primary red. And then my sister-in-law asked for things in K-State colors, because they both work at the uh, university. So, which is purple, like royal purple. Oh, okay. So I knit the antler mittens by Tin Can Knits, and the ice river hat by Helen Stewart. It's from... Um, knit that. Knit vent from not this most recent one, the year Last before. Year. And I used Cascade 128 Super Wash um, in that K-State purple. purple color. Yeah. <laughs> um, I got two skeins, and I didn't use the full amount for that combination of the mittens and the hat. So, um, I think... Oh, I talked about Knit Fit last time, because we skipped mm-hmm. December, because it was crazy busy. Um, and I bought the Canon Hand Eyes Polar Opposites yarn in the mm-hmm. Holly Jolly. So I knit those. That was my last pair of socks for the box of socks knit along. Um, last year, so I knit 12 pairs of socks for myself. And I was like, oh, I have all these nice brand new socks. And then mm-hmm. I realized that I don't need more socks for myself, because I don't have room in my drawer. Yeah. So... <clears throat> but that didn't stop me from knitting another pair of socks. I bought this Higa kit um, that was like um, from Knox Yarn Company. I pre-ordered it. Like I actually forgot that I ordered it, and then it came, and I was like, "Oh, this is pretty." A present um, from me. I know, Chastain. Um, <laughs> so it was like a project bag that had this kind of pastel winter scene on it with little houses. It was really cute, and then like metallic, um, heavier metallic fabric on the bottom, and then the yarn as her Solaris base. So it had gold, the gold Stellina in it. Mm-hmm. And it was like pastel colors with a little mini skein of pink. Which is not in my wheelhouse. I was going to say, if you told me like, oh, 
I got pastel yarn. I'd be like, Ooh. are you feeling okay? And then yeah. gold glitter in it. I love like, them. Are you okay? They were like so nice to knit. Dream, like when I was growing feeling. and changing as people here, <laughs> like just before our eyes. This is it's ten years of progress. People. It is wow. <laughs> um, so I just came up with a little texture pattern, and I did contrast uh, heel and toe, and those were great. <clears throat> I really like the yarn too. Mm-hmm. Um, I just found out there's some indie dyer who's doing a whole Bob's Burger series, and I'm like so pissed I didn't get it on it. Like, <laughs> she already shipped the Louise yarn, and I'm oh, like, really? damn it, it's pink and green, huh? Uh-huh. <laughs> um, I'm knitting some plain socks right now in a women's small. Like you, it sounds like you're pulling out a bunch of old, like, yarns and projects. And yeah. stuff. I'm doing the same thing. Yeah. This is, like, I think fiber optic. Oh, I had yeah. wound. Um, I bought from, like, at the first sock summit. First sock summit, yeah. And I had it wound. I knit something. And then I think, well... I didn't use very much of this. It must have been a contrast color. So I'm knitting a small pair of adult socks for charity because okay. it's good bust knitting. Yeah. They're just plain. And I, I obviously color. don't need more socks. Yeah. It's in a green. Like a it's in a very green. Jessica, mossy, seaweedy green. Yeah. Like the yarn is nice to work with. It was already wound. That was the defining factor for me. Like it's pulling, amazing pulling how, it out. Like so lazy. How little it takes to make <laughs> you go. Eh. It's like that's the one already wound <laughs> up. Um, and I knit another pair of socks <laughs> out of yarn that was. Um, Do we need to like post this somewhere? Like Aaron. Stop knitting socks. <laughs> but the, I'm going to donate them. They're not okay. for, they're like, I knit them to my size, but I, they're, they're going to donation. Right. But I bought the yarn at the Fiber, Fiber Gallery's old location. It's Osterman Step. They did that ast- oh, wow. horoscope or astrological sign series. Mm-hmm. So I bought the Libra one, even though it's not Libra colors. It's like green and yellow. Holy um, cow. That's like the Wayback Machine. Yeah. Wow. It's, okay. I, it's from two from 2010 or 2009. Yeah. Um, I had it in Ravelry. I think it was 2010, oh. but I could have bought it in 2009 and not added it for a while. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Whatever. Um, so I knit just a plain pair of socks because it's kind of self-striping. It's like kind of patterned. It was fun. I mean, I was just like, wow, I've had this yarn for a long time. <laughs> um, I also had this really old skein of Lion Brand Fisherman's Wool. <laughs> like the big honkin'. Like oatmeal-y, plain. Yeah. Yeah. And it, I knit four hats Ooh. out of it. And I used 100% of the yarn. Yes. I knit. Let's Super enjoyable. <clears throat> Oak Crest from Pom Pom Issue 14, which is fall 2015. And it is, let me see, is that the cable this one? one? Okay. It's got, like, cable it's got and like twisted a, stitch like a lozenge that has, like, a little, it's almost, I think of it, like a wheat sheaf. Yeah. Kind of twisted stitch pattern, although I suppose it's supposed to look like an oak leaf. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Um, and you're supposed to do this, like, thick I-cord thing and untie it and not, but I don't like I-cord on the top of hats. Mm-hmm. Um, so I knit that. That's going to charity. Cool. And then I knit Carousellin, K-A-R-U-S. Ellen, um, at, from the same issue, actually. It's color work with little dollar horses on it. 
um, which is supposed to be in like a DK, but I just knit out of worsted. So someone with a big head can wear it. Right. I have a biggish head and it yeah. fits me fine. It's cute. And I use local color fiber studio is a yellow and it's oh. the onion skin color. And now I have zero of that yarn <gasps> left either. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> that was a partial skein. So satisfying. So, cause I had cast on in the bigger size and I ran out. So I pulled it back. Cast on the smaller size and use 100% of it. Oh, wow. So, and then I knit this other hat from the Jap this Japanese book called Oh, oh Right Erin Knitwear and Accessories, I which I think is too. Yeah, yeah, a lot of people have it. it has a girl kind of laying sideways, dreamy, you know, like a kind of a kimono sideways cable yeah. thing. Um, and it's called V dot pom pom hat, <laughs> and it's just got cables. Yeah. And you're supposed to do a pom-pom, but this is, no I think this is the last one I had, I knit, so I didn't have extra yarn. Cool. That's also going to charity. Like a fat char- charity pile over there. I cannot speak today. <laughs> I also knit, oh, I pulled out an old skein of Malabrigo worsted, which I haven't knit with that yarn forever. So nice. It's nice. So nice. And the whale's red color, which is like purple and blue. Oh, so with some greeny. And I just knit some little kids' mittens. Three Aww. pair of little Waiting for Winter Mittens by Susan Anderson. B. Anderson. Um, you got three pairs out of one skin. I got two large oh. and one small. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. That's also like for charity. quite a lot of mileage for your charity knitting I know. dollar. Yeah. Awesome. Crazy. Um... These plain socks. Oh, I knit. Oh, I knit Kipper, which is another pair of socks. They were <laughs> they're a gift. I haven't given them to the person yet because I don't see her very often. Um, but they're like a little shorty pair of socks that have um, like a slip stitch pattern where you slip it for a couple of rows and then you pick it up on the third row. Oh, and so knit it. Like a little tent stitch thing. Yeah, but it makes diamonds. It oh. is a tent stitch, but you do it. Offset, so it makes diamonds. Cool. Um, and they're knit. They're from the revamped first issue of Pom Pom. Um, and they're supposed to be knit toe up, but I just converted it to work toe down. It was mm-hmm. totally easy to do. Yeah. And I knit those in Lemonade Shop yarn, which is really nice. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm knitting these plain socks, which are really boring, but <laughs> this old yarn. Uh, the other old yarn I picked up was something I bought from the Pearly Girl Retreat from Artful You. Oh, yeah. And it's um, a wool silk blend, and I'm knitting the Aperture Aperture Shawl by Amba O'Brien, which is like a pretty simple shawl that's it's like an eyelet pattern. So you go from like some stock in it with eyelets on the end, and you just add more and more eyelets and you work oh, okay. on the, yeah. um, down the charts. And I'm knitting a large size because I have 66, bleh, <laughs> I have 660 yards oh, wow. okay. of sport weight. And the pattern calls for fingering weight. So I'm knitting a large size and seeing if I can get through the whole thing. I'm on the last chart right now, but you do it twice and then you have an I-cord bind off. So just, I might have to fudge it a little yeah. bit. Um, so that's nice. It's a simple knit. But that seems mm-hmm. like that's where my head is. Not such a great January um, so far. I mean, there's a week left. I don't see it getting, like, 
remarkably better, remarkably better <laughs> in the next six days or so. Yeah. So those are all the things I've been working on. Mm-hmm. Family was um, sick over the holidays, mm-hmm. and I was fine, so I was taking care of them. I did have time off, but it was, like, not as relaxing as I hoped. <laughs> Obviously, I've knit a crap ton of socks. Yes. So I think that might just continue. Okay. It's my favorite bus knitting. Oh, I knit a, a hat out of sock yarn, too. On like size threes, in a just, particular pattern, or just no, oh, just them. Oh, I saw it on your the on green your, one. Yeah, uh, it was just like where's Waldo's hipster cousin? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, because you're doing so. You filled out. I noticed um, the challenge. Oh yeah. So Ravelry. I don't know if everyone's noticed this already. There's actually there's a couple of articles about it on the cover page for Ravelry. But there's a if you look on your own projects page, there's a tab for challenge where you can mm-hmm. set like your own challenge for yourself of how many projects you want to complete this year. Yeah. I wish it was a little more customizable, but yeah. <clears throat> maybe next year. So I've given myself, um, 55 projects to do and I've already completed five. So woo-hoo, I'm doing Mine's great. At 50. I should probably up that. <laughs> well, yeah, but also I'm sure some of yours will be like sweaters, whereas mine are going to yeah. continue to be little dinky things. Um, so I'll probably need to, but then if you, um, want stuff to appear like to have like, um, a queue of sort of the other, the next things you'll knit for the challenge, you just have to give them a due date mm-hmm. in your queue and then they'll show up under that, that list as well. That's too much like my day job. So I'm not doing that. <laughs> <laughs> I set due dates a lot for people. Oh. Um, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I but guess. I thought that was fun though, like kind of motivating. Like I'm, I'm super motivated by stuff like that. So like I want yeah, to finish the next like one. Yeah, like the like, count go up. Yeah. Um, which I only have two like totally finished because I have to like update my project pages, but then I'll have like probably 10. Well, what I also <laughs> think is cool, it. I was thinking like, I know sometimes you, um, like, you know, you're busy and sometimes like I'm obsessive about like keeping my Ravelry updated, but a lot of people aren't. So like, mm-hmm. I know sometimes I'll look at your Ravelry, like to do show notes and stuff. And see that you haven't, like, posted a picture even marked as complete projects you finished ages ago. So I was thinking, like, that's sort of one of the fun things with this challenge. That'll encourage people to have those projects marked as complete on Ravelry. So they get, like, credit for it. Yeah, so I'll have something marked at 100% but not completed because I haven't added a picture. Because I don't like having, like, a blank picture. No, I hate that. For my projects, so. Yeah. Um, Anyway. Yeah. That's that's the knitting. Okay. Well, um, reading next. Books? Yeah. So I did something I don't usually do, which is I listened to an audiobook. Um, I oh, it was because I was going to the retreat. Oh, yeah. And um, I must have mentioned it last time. So I've been listening. I listened to the North Water by Ian McGuire. Um, <laughs> McGuire, I think. Um. And it is uh, set on a a British whaling ship that's heading to the Arctic waters in the late 1800s. Um, And you're sort of following along with uh, a doctor who signed up to go on this whaling. It's his first um, trip. And um, basically, like, if you make it through the first chapter of the book, which is brutal and gruesome and horrifying um it doesn't get any better i mean 
It doesn't get any better from the perspective of brutality, gruesomeness, and horrifyingness. Um, it, I thought it was a really great story, like gripping and so visceral. Like every, he's so good about, he describes every smell. And let me tell you, 1870s. Full of smells. Full of smells. Everything smells real bad. And he tells you all about it. People did not bathe a lot, especially on a whaling ship. No. And it, and it's, and I was actually just saying at book club that, um, that I was listening to it in the car on the way to work and I got to work and I was so cold from like listening to this story. <laughs> um, it was just, and then I had to like stop listening to it one day. I was like obsessed with it. I was listening to it. Also, I mean, generally I tend not to like audiobooks because I feel like for me, it's choosing to listen to a performance of the book as opposed to reading the book itself. That, you know, someone is making some artistic decisions and they are kind of influencing your perception. But the person who did, who was the narrator for this book, I thought did a really good job. Um, and normally like the last book that I'd listened to that was an audio book. Oh no, I know the last time I was talking about the Paris wife, then I, I got grabbed the North water after I finished Paris wife. Um, she would like do accents for different characters. And I really like didn't dig it at all. It was like super awkward to listen to, but this guy, um, this narrator was doing the different accents for all the different characters you know, the, like the Scottish character versus the Shetlander versus the Englishman. And like, I thought he did a really good job with it, but it, it was very much a performance of the text, not just someone reading you the text. Um, but it is, it was a fascinating book where like things just go worse and worse and worse and worse. So if you don't like really brutal, gruesome, smelly stories. Um, it's definitely not for you. Um, but I was really impressed by it. Like just how, um, like just how gripped I was by the story, how evocative the, the writing was. Um, yeah, I thought it was great. And then we had to read for book club. We read Mr. Penumbra's 24 hour bookstore by Robin Sloan, which I know lots of people love this book. Um, short version is like tech dude gets laid off, ends up working in this strange bookstore where something mysterious is afoot. And it's sort of a code breaking secret society thing. And it starts to delve into, you know, will technology save us? Is technology the answer? Um, so you're, you're getting a lot of like Google or like fictionalized version of Google I just, I didn't care for it at all. I thought like the beginning started out like, oh, this is going to be fun and whimsical and mm-hmm. kind of magical, but instead it was just dull. Like I didn't feel like there were any stakes, anything that there was really anything at stake for anyone in the story. And, um, I just didn't care. And I literally skimmed the last 150 pages <laughs> in like 10 minutes and that, and I read half a sentence every three pages and I still got the whole book. And, um, I thought I, I, and I'd say I was in the minority. Like most people at the book club were like, it was fun. It was okay. It was, you know, it was whimsical. It was cute. Um, but I just was really bothered by the fact that like, I like no, nothing is, no characters are fleshed out. You don't really know who anybody is. Everyone has just sort of like a little personality tick that tells you like, 
oh, she's like this because she does this thing. Mm. Um, rather than actually like giving them a voice, giving them a real personality. I just, I just thought it was dull. But, um, yeah, anyway, so that's, that was me. Well, speaking of which, I read Ready Player One. Oh, oh, it was totally, it was totally, it was Ready Player One. We, I mean, we were all talking about this because Ready Player One was the first book we read for our book group. Mm -hmm. And it was totally a Ready Player One, like, solve the mystery that was left behind by this other guy thing Mm -hmm. with like a dose of Dungeons and Dragons to it also. Um, but it was like Ready Player One, but instead of pop culture references like Ready Player One, it was just talking about Google. <laughs> so, um, anyway, I'm sorry. Ready Player One, what'd you think? Um, the characters are pretty flat. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the idea of it, and I like kind of the adventure parts of it. I think tons of it could have been edited out and would have not affected the story. Um... I think this might be a case of the movie's probably better than the book. <laughs> Although, I mean, the we'll weird see. thing with the movie, though, it's like, it's just going to be all CG, yeah, right? Yeah, Because they spend all, all their time... In a computer. In a, in a computer, you know, in, in a, a simulated computer yeah. world. Yeah. I agree. Um, like, it just seemed... There's some weird things, like, the main character's 19, like a 19-year-old kid, right? So... There were some things where I was like, is this the author just not being good at writing? Or is this him writing from the point of view of a 19-year-old where, like, characters and things were very flat? Mm-hmm. And I didn't know if it was like, is this the character's perception? Or is this just, like, how this guy writes, which is not super great? Was it, like, a Wade? Is that the main character? Yeah. Yeah. I felt like, I think some of it I chalked up to, like, you're getting Wade as your narrator, and he's not very articulate, and he'll just sort of say, oh, this thing's like this, and that, and that I was okay with, and at least with Ready Player One, I, well, one, there were stakes, like, things were at stake. Yeah. He need it wasn't just, oh, I want to solve this puzzle, like, there are things at stake that kind of drive you as the reader to, like, continue Mm -hmm. on, whereas in Penumbra, there's nothing at stake. Um... And then, also with Ready Player One, I thought he he didn't do, like, a tremendous amount of world building, but he did enough in the... And he definitely, you know, he had some, like, fun ideas about, mm-hmm. like, what... Yeah, I'm not saying I hated like. it and it was terrible. Yeah. I was just, like, there were some, some things where, like, I mean, science fiction is not my thing. It was kind of like Ender's Game, but I found Ender's Game more interesting mm-hmm. because it's, like, war, <laughs> not mm-hmm. just, oh... You know, Earth is a shithole, and this mm-hmm. money can, in the right hands, can change yeah. lives. Um, I'm not saying that that is not the same. I mean, it's just different. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was fine. It wasn't my favorite. I skimmed some of the explanation stuff because I did not feel like it was necessary to the storyline. Yeah, it's true. Um, sure. I love the '80s references. Pop references, but, but they're so hard and heavy in that book. Yeah. Like I remember stopping like 15 pages in, going, I knew I knew that they were already planning on making the movie. They hadn't like started filming it yet. But I'm like, how are they going to afford the licensing on this? There's yeah. like so many references of like every 80s TV show, movie, song, video game, book. Every like it's like he had to fit the entire 80s and into that's the a, book. That's one of the things that bothered me was like. Yes, he 
people knew that stuff because it was part of this Easter egg hunt thing. But also, I hate those people yeah. who know every reference to everything, and they just sit around memorizing stupid references because it makes them seem cooler or whatever, so they can bring them up like, well, actually. Yeah. <laughs> I hate those people so much. Yeah. Ugh. So yeah. it's just like, I'd, like, I would not be friends with any of these people. I'd rather be in sure. that stack of trailers. Yeah. You know? Anyway. So I had some issues with it. It was fine, though. Mm-hmm. Um, I read The Hate You Give by Angie Thomas, which was so good. Um, <clears throat> it's about a young black girl who lives in, um, like, the projects. Her dad owns a grocery store there. He's an ex-con. But, and, they're, and her mom's, like, a nurse. And they're, they're successful enough that they send her and her siblings to a private school. So there's a lot of this stuff about, um, you know, being able to be yourself, like being a black person in a white society, because that's basically what private school is, or being a black person, like around other black people. And she does a great job, like kind of laying that out Mm -hmm. in terms that everyone can understand. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, uh, so the the premise is that there's this girl, she goes to this party, even though she doesn't usually go to parties, um, with all the kids she grew up with, and she sees her best friend from her childhood get shot by police, and then kind of the aftermath of that, how she deals with it on a personal level, how the community deals with it, both, um, <clears throat> the school she goes to, where people are incredibly disconnected. I'm sorry, I'm still getting over my lack of voice thing. She hasn't been, she hasn't announced herself as a witness. Like, it's mm-hmm. not known that she's a witness. So she's kind of observing how pe- all these different people are dealing with it. Mm-hmm. Um, not knowing that she's the witness to this horrible thing that happened. I think it's a must read. I think everyone should read it. Wow. It's good. It's a fast read. Um, I think it's actually a YA book, mm-hmm. but I was like crying, <laughs> crying through. Oh. I was like, oh, this is terrible. And then, but she also does a really good job of like balancing it with humor mm-hmm. and like a lot of insight and like teen stuff. Like some, like, I mean, she has issues with her friends. She's got a white boyfriend, like mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. She talks about the Fresh Prince of Bel- Bel-Air a lot because that's her favorite <laughs> show, which I used to love that show. So it's good. 100% recommend. Cool. Um, I read No Country for Old Men, which is incredibly brutal and is so Great. good oh, by nice. Cormac McCarthy. The movie's good. The book's fantastic. I just loved it. It's oh, so good. So Really brutal. So brutal. Basically, it's a guy is out in the desert. He finds some kind of horrible like drug thing that went down and a bunch of dead people finds all this money, takes it, then some party that's involved sends a hired killer after him. So it's um, the main guy, whose name I forget, the killer, who in the movie is played by Javier Bardem in this horrible page boy haircut. (laughs) And he has no, he's a psychopath. He has no conscience conscience whatsoever. Um, Just kills randomly and horribly. And then the sheriff. And it's... And the um, main guy's wife. Yeah. 
and yeah, you've got the sheriff and his deputy, and oh, mm-hmm. uh, and it's so good. Starts off like what the hell, and so, then so good. goes from there. It's really good. Highly recommend that too. <laughs> yeah, but like you got, I mean, oh, it's Cormac McCarthy. You've got to be it's in the dark for that. It's like, yeah. On the other side of that, I read Ian a book by Ian McEwen called The Daydreamer. Have you read oh, this I one? Haven't. So it's um, a series of vignettes, kind of, and it's uh, about it's from the point of view of a little boy who's a daydreamer, and you kind of enter into his daydreams. So he has these really vivid daydreams, and it's really seamless. Oh, where, yeah. like, in one, his sister's dolls come to life and like attack him. Oh, okay. And um, one, he switches. Um, so just places with the, their house cat for the day. Uh-huh. So it's stuff like that where he's he's just this really imaginative kid and you just slip into his daydreams with them. And I really loved it. Uh-huh. That was really great. I'm currently reading two books. I'm reading Andy Weir's new book, Artemis. He wrote The Martian. Oh, right. Um, female main character who's a badass. Mm-hmm. And it starts off like right away. Great. Um, basically, um, the main character's name is Jazz Bashera, and she's a porter on the one city that's on the moon called Artemis. Um, and it's a basically like a tourist city, but there are people who live there. Um, you know, I think she was there from she since the time she was six years old. But if you get pregnant while you're there you have to go back to earth because you can't have baby you can't like gestate properly or whatever on the moon um but she gets into some shady stuff with smuggling and some rich people that live there who are the head um who want to break into some industries on the moon because they're kind of um separated like what she say the Saudis are have the welding thing down, and then the Vietnamese are in charge. Like they have like the life support, and then there's, um, you know, there are other industries like that, and each one is kind of like one kind of culture has those Dominated. under lockdown. And this guy's trying to break into into owning um, the I think it was the smelting for mm-hmm. ore, and that's how you get your oxygen because it releases oxygen to the atmosphere there's this whole you know it explains it in the book (laughs) but it is funny and it's well written and i really like the main character so far i'm like a quarter of the way into it um so i don't know i'll let you know what i think when i finish it cool and then i'm reading believe me which is eddie izzard's Um, autobiography which is so so yeah too many footnotes for me personally (laughs) I mean, I think that it wouldn't really lose anything by losing the footnote, footnotes, like, halfway through. But some of his stories are really funny. Um, like, he made his brother cufflinks, like, those resin kits you get when you're, you know, mm-hmm. that you can get to make stuff. <laughs> one has a tooth, and one has, like, a toenail or something in it. <laughs> and he gave them to his brother for Christmas in the 70s. Which is, like, very classy. Yes. So, it's okay. <clears throat> All right. Um, okay, so, watching. Oh, my God, I've watched so much stuff. Let me do the short version. Uh, 
Coco, saw it in the theater, thought it was delightful, definitely recommend. Lady Bird. Oh my gosh, so good. Thought of you a lot, thought of <laughs> Jean a lot. Um, She's one of my favorite actors, too. Uh, she, yeah, Shira Saran. Um, yeah. So it's Greta Gerwig, I mean, if you haven't heard of this yet, I don't know where you've been, because Greta Gerwig wrote, directed it. Um, Shirsa Ronan plays Lady Bird, a high school senior in Sacramento. Lori Metcalf plays her mom. It is the most authentic portrait of teenhood I've seen in a, I mean, it's, it's, and the, 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 the choices that Greta Gerwig makes in the storytelling are so great. The way she you know, anytime you're about to get to like where the direct go in the direction that like this is way all coming of age stories go, it's like eh, nope, skip that, go to something else. Um, so just it's like it's fresh. I mean, it's so truthful, and you're like, ugh, I've lived that, I know that, and yet it still feels really new and fresh and just delightful. So well done, really loved it. Um, Watched the series Godless on Netflix one night. Oh, I just like got that. totally sucked into it. Really liked it. Um, it's about a uh, mining town where, like, I think like eighteen seventies somewhere in like Arizona, where two years prior there was a mining accident that killed all the men in the town. Um, one of the women in the town is Michelle Dockery, Lady Mary from Down Abbey. Um, the sheriff of the town is like the only man, one of the only men left, um, who's, uh, Scoot McNeary from Halt and Catch Fire. Scoot. Scoot. Um, and basically he ends up going off to try to find this, um, on the trail of this criminal played by Jeff Daniels. Um, but it's about the women of the town and what they do to try to make their way. Um, it, I just, I really liked it. I just, and one of the things I thought was really interesting about it is, it's some peculiar number of episodes. I think there's like seven of them and they're all different lengths. And it's like, I just like that the filmmaker or the, 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 the person who made it is a, had been a screenwriter. He used to work a lot with Steven Soderbergh. Um, he just takes this, like he takes whatever time he needs to tell the story the way he wants mm-hmm. to tell it. And so, you know, it doesn't have to fit into an hour. It doesn't, you know, if he wants to, dwell on a moment or jump for, you know, it's like he just kind of, anyway, but I, I really enjoyed it. Um, I got way sucked into it. I started watching it like first 15 minutes. I was like, eh, I don't know. And then like three hours later, I'm like <laughs> knitting frantically and watching this thing like so sucked in. Um, let's get that. Oh, the other thing that I watched that I found kind of surprising, we watched the whole new Planet of the Apes trilogy. Mm-hmm. Have you seen any of them? Mm-mm. So I'd or heard maybe that the first good. One. So the first one's got James Franco and John Lithgow, and it explains, like, Franco is, like, as a scientist who um, comes up with this, he's trying to cure, like, Alzheimer's and dementia, um, and it's all about, you know, I think the first one is called, I, I keep forgetting the order they're in, like, Dawn of Planet of the Apes? Afternoon. It's, yeah, it's just sort of, like, how it, how that one, you know, like, how that starts, <clears throat> Um, and so it was, the first one was like, it was good, but okay. And it's Andy Serkis is doing the motion capture as Caesar, the chimpanzee. Um, and you know, he's kind of like 
motion capture savant at this point. Like, you know, he's Gollum and he's King Kong and he does all this. Mm -hmm. But, um, so the first film we were like, oh, that was pretty good. Okay. Second one gets much more interesting, a little stickier, a little more complicated. You really like kind of like humans and whatever you're like really dealing with, like the society that the apes are creating for themselves. Um, and the conflict within their society. So it's getting like a little more interesting. Okay. A lot of character development in the apes, which is really interesting. Third film. So good. And the crazy thing is like by the third film, there's hardly anything in it that's real. I mean, it's all these CG apes. It's all, you know, there's like, it's like Woody Harrelson and, and a room full of like nothing. Like it's, I don't, mm-hmm. I can't imagine what it was like filming this thing. Um, but uh, the the advances in the technology in the six years that they shot this this whole trilogy are incredible, like so incredible. You really are looking, going, wait, you know, because like the apes ride horses, and at some point Wes is like, "Are those really horses?" And mm-hmm. we're like, "Oh my gosh!" Like we have no idea. Like I can't tell you, like if they shot actual horses and then CG'd an ape onto it, or whether they the horses made up to it. Like I have no idea. It's so good. And there's so much character building for these, like, yeah, I mean, I, I keep making the joke about, like, you know, like, this is, like, the most emotive orangutan you've ever <laughs> met. And he, like, he doesn't even speak. And he's, like, one of my favorite characters from a movie I've seen this year. <laughs> um, so they do, I mean, talk about, like, world building. They really, and just developing the characters so that the last one is really, really good. Like, it was over and we're all looking at each other going that was really good. Wasn't it? Like we couldn't quite believe that we were all like, man, and it's, and it's funny and it's, um, not funny. I mean, it's just, it's really interesting. The, the final one is kind of a heart of darkness apocalypse now. Um, with Woody Harrelson as like a Colonel who's gone kind of mad and his, uh, trying to stamp out all the apes. Anyway, I thought that was really interesting. Um, Watched uh, Deep Water, which Australian murder cop murder cop show, fairly good. Oh yeah. The most exciting thing about it though is that Morello from Orange Is the New Black is Australian. Yeah, I watched that. I had no idea. I'm I'm looking at her going when it first came out, and I was like, "Why is her voice weird? She doesn't sound like this." (laughs) She has like a Jersey accent. Yeah, yeah. Staten Island. Yeah, I don't know. That's Um, why I was like, "Oh, it's Australian, not." The wrong person. Yeah, anyway. But it was pretty good. I mean, you know, I like a good murder cop show, so that was pretty good. The Crown, everybody's watched it. Phillip's a jerk. It's kind of boring. Uh, Stranger Things, we finally watched. Liked it. Didn't like as much as season one. Pretty much what everybody else said. Um, uh, oh, Love Sick came back for a final season. It's over. You may know it as Scriddle Recall. <laughs> um... Uh, oh, the other thing we watched that was one of those ones where we're like, I think this was really good. Was this really good? Was Paddington. the Because the, the new Paddington film is getting these great reviews. And we're hmm. like, could this possibly be any good? So the the first one they made like two years ago that has Sally Hawk Academy Award nominee Sally Hawkins in it. And uh, Hugh Bonham from Downton Abbey um, uh, is on Netflix now. So we just watched it the other night. Totally adorable. Charming, fun, funny, a little dark, kind of reminded of us all of a series of unfortunate events, like great art direction, 
really good look, like a little sinister, but mm-hmm. like, but still like a pr- totally appropriate for kids. Um, really, really liked it. Thought it was cool. Um, and then the last thing I watched that I really liked that I didn't think I would was that, um, Amazon was offering a free three day trial of CBS all access. And I'm like, there's nothing on CBS I want to watch. And then I realized that's the only way that you can watch the good wife spinoff series. That's called the good fight. And, um, so I signed up for it and then like binged all like whatever it is, nine episodes in three days and like canceled my subscription. So I didn't get charged for it because there's nothing else I want to watch on CBS all access. But if you, I know not you, but if you listener, um, like the good wife, miss the good wife. Um, it is really, it's fun. It's not as good as the good wife, but, um, it's bringing back its mediocre wife. Yeah. It's bringing back a ton of the characters though. So you've got Christine Baranski and, and Gary Cole and, um, uh, yeah, like all, anyway, lots and lots of characters from the original series. Luke, like the character of Luca's back, Elsbeth. Um, so, you know, just all the fun characters that you're like, Oh, I missed you. And they all get to kind of come back and play around a little bit more. Um, so yeah, I thought that was actually lots of fun. Um, but not worth paying whatever it is like nine ninety nine a month for CBS all access. So cancel. <laughs> What you been watching? We're going to pop into Cult Corner for a second. <laughs> yes. They watch like three different things, or there are three different things that are cult related that I want to talk about. I watched this documentary called The Source Family. Have you heard of this? No. The Source Family was a cult in the, during the free love whatever movement in Southern California. Uh, California. California. I cannot speak today. <laughs> um, and it all started this guy... Uh, whose real name I can't remember. Father Zod? No, I'm making that up from Zardoz. I was going to say. Father Yod. There we go. Father Yod. So he was like this restaurateur in in L.A. And he had multiple restaurants that were very, he was like jet setter, blah, blah, blah. And um, he met this 19-year-old girl. He was like in his late 30s, early 40s. He met this 19-year-old girl. Um, who was into, like, you know, psychedelics and free love and blah, blah, blah. And, like, started this restaurant called The Source, which is this really famous uh, first vegetarian restaurant in L.A. that attracted, like, you know, Goldie Hawn, Steve McQueen, like, all these band people. One of... uh, Annie Hall, there's a part where Woody Allen's eating at a restaurant and he's like, I'll have this with a side of mashed yeast or whatever. Mm-hmm. That's that's at the source. Oh, okay. So he had this restaurant. He was making all this money. All these, like, kids started showing up and working there, you know, they, like, left college or, you know, they're, like, kind of street kids and they'd show up and start waiting tables. And then he, he's, they're like all into this like healthy eating, raw food, blah, blah, blah. Father, before he started calling himself father, decided to start giving like meditation workshops on Sunday at the restaurant and he'd like talk. And then that kind of evolved into this cult thing. So they would wear white most of the time. They lived in this big house together. 
um, sometimes 150 people in this giant house. Kids are from like the ages of 14 all the way into their 30s, and there people are getting married so that the underage girls, because um, the cops showed up and were like, "Hey, these underage girls can't be here," kind of thing. So there was like all this weird marriage stuff. They had a band. <laughs> um, Whoa. Yeah. So it was just crazy cult time there. Um, and the whole documentary, the soundtrack for it is music from this weird kind of psychedelic music from the Source family band. Um, and the people who produced it are ex-members and they all have crazy names. So like (laughs) the last name was, is Aquarians. So they all went en masse to Social Security and had their names changed. So there, there's like, um, oh, what are their names? They're weird. <laughs> it's like <laughs> reminds me of where I grew up in Northern California. There's like, um, Magus, Magus, middle name The, last name Aquarian, Magus the Aquarian, you know? Oh. They all changed their names to these weird things. It's like Electra, and there's, um, you know, well, his name's Yod, the main guy. Yeah. So you can go from there. Um, so things just got weirder and weirder. And then he like got into multiple wives and then, you know, train wrecked. Yeah. <laughs> he sold everything and they moved to Hawaii and he died in a, um, in a random hang gliding accident. So that's just very strange. I really enjoyed it. I had never heard of this cult before. And the way people talked about it, even people who left kind of in the heyday and they left because they didn't believe one guy left because he was married to one of the women there and they had a son and his son had a, an ear infection and had like a really high fever, but they didn't believe in traditional medicine. So he was like, I, this isn't working. We yeah. gotta go. But everyone had, like, good things to say that they interviewed, at least. Even people who were like, yeah, some stuff was shady. But, um, as far as I could tell, there's not, like, the abuse and there was definitely recreational drug use, but not, like, where I thought it was because Father Yod was trying to brainwash mm-hmm people, even though there were some, like, ritualistic things that tipped it that way a little bit. Mm. Anyway, it's very interesting, and the covers of their albums are insane. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. That was my favorite part, actually, was the music part. Um, And I watched, I'm watching that series, The Path, on Hulu. I watched... I was met about Some it. Some of the first season. Yeah. But now I'm way like, into it. I watched oh, it yeah? mainly when I was sick. Like, just watched the first two seasons, and they just started the third season. Oh, wow. It's got Jesse, Aaron Paul from um, Breaking, Breaking Bad. Bad. I almost said Bad Brains. That's a punk rock band. Yeah. <laughs> it has nothing to do with Breaking Bad. And uh, what's his face from Hannibal? Yeah. Hugh Darcy? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, and uh, Michelle... I always forget. Uh, I don't know her last name. But it's about a cult in upstate, upstate New York, and they follow this thing called, there's this, the light, and there's, um, you climb the rungs, you know, as you get up. Of enlightenment, kind of. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's pretty interesting. I mm-hmm. enjoyed it. And then I listened to a podcast about Heaven's Gate, which oh. I didn't know that much about. Yeah. Um, 
super well done. The host grew up in like a weird Christian evangelical sect thing. So he's like, I was in a cult, even though I think most people tend to think of like Christian sex is not cults, but they are. Um, so he, I felt like he had a really sympathetic and understanding view of people he was interviewing. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know a lot of the stuff. Like there used to be two leaders and suicide was not the end goal. Yeah. And one of them died. And then the guy was like, this is the way we're going. So, um, it was very educational and it was very interesting and I didn't feel like it was like sensationalized at all. It was just like, we're going to talk to these people about this aspect. Um, the female leader, they talked to her daughter a lot because, um, her, you know, her daughter was young when her mother became the, this cult leader. Mm-hmm. So very interesting. Mm-hmm. I want to talk about the shape of water really quick because oh, it's yet. so freaking good. Ah. The new Guillermo del Toro movie. Ooh. And I loved it. It's like Creature of the Black Lagoon swamp thing kind of love story. A little McCarthy or a yeah. in there. Fantastic costumes. Um, I just loved it and I recommend it. There is like that weird, super realistic Guillermo del Toro violence part, mm-hmm. <laughs> but most of it's just about the romance yeah. and this relationship. I really liked it. Mm-hmm. It was so good. Um, I don't need to talk about that. I saw, I took my five dollars and went and saw a Star War. <laughs> <laughs> it was good. Enjoyed it. Um, I'll skip that one because it's depressing. I watched <laughs> the end of the effing world and it's so good. Like, Oh, is that the two teenagers? Yeah. The... It's like six episodes. It's British. Okay. It's a teenage boy and a teenage girl. And the premise is kind of that he is emotionally stunted and who wants to murder her, but it's much more. But I read that, and I don't like things that romanticize violence whatsoever, mm-hmm. which is weird because, you know, I like horror movies, and but it's not romantic. Like, I hate Natural Born Killers. I think it's a horrible movie. Oh, so gross. I know it was, like, really popular. I never I just, saw it because you know <clears throat> how I'm with, like, hyper-violent stuff like that. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah, I, whenever, when violence merges with sex is where you completely lose me. Yeah, this <laughs> is much more, this ends up being much more about human connection and what I loved about it is, like, even these small little characters are so well-rounded, really funny, great soundtrack. Uh-huh. Oh, my God. It's so good. It's very eclectic, which I like. It ranges from, like, old country to, like, modern, like, alternative rock, I guess it would be. I don't know. Highly recommend. And it's not really about him wanting to murder her. Um, there's, like... I was uncertain about it for, like, the first 20 minutes. And the episodes are really short. So the first episode, I was like, I don't know. But then I got totally sucked in. Uh, And I saw the description of it, and I was like... The description, I don't think, has anything to do with what it's actually about. Um, And so it's a boy and a girl, and they both narrate their inner monologues, and they kind of switch off. So you really get... Like, they say things, and then they, like... Say, I just said a really stupid thing. (laughs) Why do I always do this? So you get this whole 
like yeah. inner interior interior kind of thing. It's just fantastic. Mm-hmm. Noah watched it and he's like I was like, I don't know about this. He said, You're gonna like it. Talk to me when you're done. <laughs> so we had a long conversation about it, but I highly recommend it. It's very good. So Do we make it to the end? We did. Oh my gosh. A long one, folks. It was a long one. Congratulations for making it to the end, to all of you. Um, Mm -hmm. All right. So, show notes are at (laughs) doubleknit.net. Oh, God, it's been a while. It has Um, been a while. You can also find us on our Ravelry group, Double Knit Podcast Fans. I'll post that coupon code for the magazine. yeah. All right. And then uh, until the next time, which hopefully will be sooner than last time. Yes. We'll see you then. Happy knitting. Bye. Bye.